Welcome to the weekly podcast for Science and the City, the public gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences, online at scienceandthecity.org. Today is Friday, March 26, 2010. I'm Alana Rangi. Sometimes living in a big city like New York means being environmentally friendly isn't always as easy as we'd like it to be. This is a city of consumption. Most of us don't have a backyard to compost in, and I find myself dealing with more takeout containers than I'd like to admit. That said, living in New York also gives us some green advantages, which may be hard to come by in other cities. Last Friday, I checked out the Go Green Expo on Pier 92 off West 55th Street. There, I found tons of ideas for greening up, and today, we're giving you five. We're kicking off our green ideas with an option for green renovations. Whether you live in a penthouse or a 200-square-foot studio, Jeff McMahon says home renos don't have to be hard on the environment. My name is Jeff McMahon. I'm a sustainable builder located in Sullivan County, which is about two hours northwest of New York City, but I do work in New York City as well. So what's a sustainable builder? A sustainable builder means that every time I make a decision about how to design something, both in terms of its form or function, I'm looking at how to reduce the ecological impact of that and how to make it a more natural and livable space for the people who are going to inhabit it. So how long have you been in the sustainable business market for? Well, um, I started building things when I was very young and started doing business things on the side and fences for neighbors and that kind of thing. I went to art school and as an artist, you don't make a lot of money. And so I started to doing a design and build business on the side and that took over. And as you work in construction and you see the waste that can happen, it doesn't take an environmentalist or a tree hugger to realize that that's really not something that's good to send all this material into a landfill. And I think that was one of the first steps that I took to realize like, hey, I can do something a little bit different on the job site, design something a little bit more efficiently in terms of the construction process and reduce the potentially negative impact both in terms of ecology and otherwise. So can you give an example, like say in my apartment, I would really like my kitchen redone. Like how would you use, I guess, sustainable methods to redo my kitchen? Okay, well, the first thing that you always try to think of is reduce, reuse, and recycle. So reduce, and one of the things that's hardest for people who are very excited about getting a renovation job done or having a new bathroom is to consider what you shouldn't do, you know, to limit yourself. So for instance, with a kitchen, a lot of times people have really good cabinets. And the cabinets out there now, unless you spend tons of money, are junkier than the old cabinets. Old cabinets are made better. So one of the things I like to encourage clients to do, if they have quality cabinets, is to actually take out the cabinets, refinish them, and put them back in. And refinish them with ecologically sound materials, like natural paints and finishes, things that come from the earth as opposed to plastics that are made from petroleum. And that reduces the volatile organic compounds that bring nasty things into the air when they're off-gassing and finishes. Also, you can have countertops and tiles that are made locally. Brooklyn, there are a lot of manufacturers of handmade tiles, a lot of artisans that are working over there. And so you're not only supporting local artisans and commerce, but you're also reducing the carbon that it takes to make the product and to bring it to you. And then you can look at actually sustainable materials that are being used, a lot of recycled materials. So we have reduce, reuse, and recycling. And recycled materials are very exciting because there's a lot of things that we do 
and use that have all of these materials in them. And we go and we use our recycling bin and we put our plastics in it, we put our papers, but what happens to that? What you can do is actually buy materials and complete the cycle and bring it back to you. There's countertops made out of recycled glass, there's backsplashes made out of recycled plastic, and all sorts of safe and healthy kitchen materials made out of recycled materials. It'd be kind of funky to have like a recycled kitchen. It would be. <laughs> it would be, but you start to get you start to realize it's actually a very beautiful thing as well. And all of the wood finishes that I uh, actually use and all of the materials, we actually take down barns that are dilapidated and that are going to be torn down in the country and hand pick out all the wood and take out all the nails, refinish all of the material and then build with that. And what you have is not only you're not taking down new trees, which is good, let those trees live, but also the wood that's very old is from a different kind of tree than we have now. Old growth trees, the wood is denser, it's richer in color, it's stronger, and it's a more beautiful material in general. So it sounds like with all this reducing and reusing that you could be saving yourself some money. What's the cost comparison if you're thinking of hiring a non-sustainable developer compared to like hiring somebody who's sustainable like you? Well, it, it certainly depends case to case. But in general, I believe that recycled materials and sustainable materials in building strategies are as cost effective as any other. I mean, you can always go out and buy the cheapest things in the world. But finding things that already exist and reusing them can also be very cheap as well and save you a lot of money. And now that Home Depot and Lowe's and all of these large companies, let alone large manufacturing companies like paint makers and all sorts of things, they've caught on to the green fad. And that's one of the good things about sustainability as a fad is that they realize they've got to advertise and make something different than their competitors. And sustainability and green building is the fad now and so people are putting it forward and putting forward materials and retailing things that are healthier for us. Okay, so say somebody is listening and it's like, that's who I want to hire to renovate my bedroom or kitchen. How do they get a hold of you? <laughs> well, they can get a hold of me at designmodernbuildgreen.com, which is my website. Uh, or they can contact me by email, which jeff at designmodernbuildgreen.com or my phone number, 215-888-4350. Great. <laughs> From renovating the bedroom to what to put in the bedroom, up next, we have an eco-friendly sleeping solution. Uh, my name is Alex from Woodstock Organic Mattress. Uh, we have two uh, lo uh, store locations. One is in uh, Ulster County, New York, and the other one is in Chelsea. It's on West 21st Street. We're standing here looking at what looks like a normal bed, no sheets on it, but what makes it different from your average Sealy's bed, I guess, or something? Well, rather than pinpoint one manufacturer, what makes an organic mattress different from a traditional mattress that you find in a bedding, bedding uh, sleep shop is that a traditional mattress is made up of a polyurethane foam, a lot of petroleum-based products and those petroleum-based products off-gas and they seep out slowly so for many years when you're sleeping on those mattresses you're susceptible of getting allergies and and allergic reactions to the chemicals and it can cause heart disease uh, an organic mattress is made up of primarily three components organic wool organic cotton and latex and latex everybody knows comes from the rubber tree and it's 97 percent pure so it's a really great 
sleeping serpent. Is there, I mean, is there any difference in terms of, I guess, durability or, I mean, why doesn't everyone have an organic mattress? Because for, for many years, these big manufacturers have a lot of machinery and have a huge investment in manufacturing mattresses the traditional way. So it'd be very hard for them to make a mattress organically or it'd be, it'd be very costly. And it, all these mattresses have to be made by hand. Uh, you know, they're all hand stuffed, they're all hand cut. To do something like that takes time and it, and it costs more. And without too many people knowing, about five years ago, the federal, federal government got involved in mattress making. They, they said a lot of fires in homes start in the bedroom. So they imposed upon all the bedding manufacturers to make their beds flame retardant. And the easiest way to do that is to do it with chemicals. And there's formaldehyde and boric acid, and there's 40 other chemicals that are used in, in the mattress making and mattress fire protection that are very harmful to your body. And as I said before, uh, these mattresses only primarily only have three components, latex, organic wool, and cotton. And wool uh, is a natural fire retardant. How much does a queen-size mattress set you back. Being a small company and everything is done on a small basis and we're focused in on not offering quality but low prices. So what we do is we've made mattresses for everybody's budget. You know, we, we have a organic uh, queen-size mattress that's $1,299 and in, in the organic mattress field that price doesn't exist anywhere. And these mattresses are made in New York State. They're not coming from California or Canada. Typically, that's where, where organic mattresses come from. So there's a low carbon footprint and a huge savings because of transportation. So my last question is, can I lie on the bed and test it out? That's what it's here for. I mean, this is the deciding factor. Uh, it's pretty comfortable. Now that you've got your organic mattress, you have to worry about getting it in your apartment. Dana Beaton runs an earth-friendly moving service in New York. My name is Dana Beaton, and I'm the president of Arthur Werner Moving and Storage. So you, Arthur Werner, uh, the sign here says that you're an eco-friendly moving and storage company. So what does that mean? It means that we use uh, recycled corrugated plastic boxes. Instead of using regular traditional cardboard boxes, we bring a customer these eco-friendly boxes they move, and at the end of the move, we pick them up, clean them, and then we use them. So what gave you this idea? Customers were asking for it. We would see a typical move had 50, 60 boxes that were thrown away at the end, and customers started asking for a more eco-friendly option. We researched uh, ways to save money. We had always been familiar with uh, hard plastic boxes that supermarkets use and thought that there might be a way, so my partner figured out, and it's all his doing, he's my husband as well, he researched it, found a distributor who was able to custom make these boxes for us that we have in all different shapes, the, card, the traditional um, wardrobe boxes, dish pack boxes, book, pa uh, book boxes, everything. So what's business like? Are people interested in this kind of service? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, people have actually been willing to pay more, even though it ends up costing less for them. Um, but people have been asking for it, and we've been getting a lot of referral business from it. Do you have any idea of like how much waste 
people generate when in like a typical move or something? Yeah, it's funny. We did um, a couple of spots on MSNBC and the Today Show and several other places which are on our website and we did talk about that. And if you think about an average move, maybe you know one person, two person, small apartment in Manhattan, you can have up to 50 boxes, cardboard boxes, which end up downstairs in the maintenance room, in the garbage room, in the landfill. So all of that is waste. And if we take it back, it all ends up in our warehouse. And we have to dump it. Um, we also have this compo compostable uh, packing paper that you, it's like unprinted newspaper, and it, you throw it in the landfill and it disintegrates. You can throw it in your backyard and it disintegrates. You throw it in your pots, it disintegrates. Um, but in the meantime, you can have up to 50, 60 boxes during an average move, and now you have zero. Awesome. Yeah, very good. Um, so what's the cost comparison? The cost comparison um, is generally can be up to 30 to 40 percent cheaper. We were running a promotion where we actually were giving these boxes away for free to try them and get used to them. And sometimes we will offer certain promotional things, but generally this whole line of boxes is less expensive than regular cardboard boxes because we reuse them so it costs us less. Um, I guess, and it would force you to to unpack if you're one of those people who like doesn't unpack your boxes right away. You'd have to like. Yeah, well, we do give you up to a week okay. to unpack at your own leisure, and then we'll come back. And if somebody says, "Listen, I'm not done yet," you know, we'll <laughs> totally cut you some slack. It's no problem. So, how do people get a hold of you if they're and how much time do they have to give you notice to them? You, you know, moving in general, it's always busier at the end of the month. So we always tell people, "Give us a call whenever you know you're moving." And you can invite us in, and we'll do a free on-site estimate. We always tell people to check us out at the Better Business Bureau. Check out our, any mover rating before you book a move. Um, we can come and do an on-site estimate. You can find us on the web at www.arthurwerner.com. It's W-E-R-N-E-R. -E -E or they can call our office. It's 212-831-6789. Now, I happen to be a person who reuses wrapping paper from gifts over and over and over, probably to the point where I should be embarrassed. But Little K Gardens has an awesome solution for those of you who don't, and who'd like to see your wrapping paper grow instead of end up in a landfill. Yeah, I said grow. Hi, I'm Jim Johansson from Little K Gardens. What we've come up with is a way to give a person a memorable present, and instead of wasting the paper, use the paper and plant a garden. Yeah, what does that mean? What we did is this, the paper is pre-seeded <laughs> so that when the recipient unwraps the gift, they can take the whole gift wrap and lay it out in their garden or cut it up to fit in a container and grow a beautiful wildflower garden that will last year after year. Now, where did you get this idea? Actually, the idea came from, my, from a woman, that uh, Lynn, and she bought some of our seed mats and what she did was she used one to gift wrap and she brought the idea to us and that's how Little K Gardens was formed. We do it in four different colors. We already a fourth color to the assortment. They're sold online or at some specialty retailers, but generally available online, littlekgardens.com. Um, how did you decide what flowers to put in your wrapping paper? We wanted something that could grow anywhere. First of all, it'd be easy to grow, easy to germinate. So what we did was we took a wildflower assortment, a very popular wildflower assortment, so the customer will get annuals and perennials and be able to uh, enjoy the garden year after year. 
but it, with using wildflowers, you know that it's going to grow in Connecticut, it's going to grow in Maryland, it's going to grow in almost anywhere in the, in the country. And what about if you have a tiny studio apartment in Manhattan? Can you grow these flowers in like a little pot? The Are beautiful part about this is you can cut this to size, and you can you can grow it from a from a little four-inch pot and get a, a little few flowers, or or to a a, a, a tub that you could and you'd have a, something out on your patio. Cool. But as long as you have a sunny spot, you can get flowers. Now, since we're a science podcast, I'm just wondering what were some of the difficulties you had with sort of developing this product? Was it was it tricky to figure out how to get the seeds in the paper or how to? This paper has a very very small amount of wet strength. When you get paper towels, they seems like the same material, but that has a wet strength built in, so it, it doesn't fall apart in your hands. This paper has very, very little wet strength, so as soon as you lay this down, it starts to break down immediately. So the paper keeps the seed moist, but doesn't interfere with the seed germinating. So even the smallest seed will germinate easily. So the only thing you can't do is carry your present in the rain. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's true, you don't want to <laughs> get the seed wet. Finally, from dirty subway poles to sticky hands, outdoor picnics to New York nannies, there's an awful lot of hand washing in this city where it can sometimes be pretty hard to find a public washroom. I found one inventor who's reinvented the wet wipe to be eco-friendly and easy to use. Hi, my name is Elmar Poltov. I am the founder of Easy Wipes. I basically manufacture biodegradable wet wipes. How did you come up with this idea? I lived in Florida and friend introduced me to the tablet, to the wipe, and I fell in love with it and I uh, went to China for a couple of months to develop the product and I invented a dispenser that allows you to carry the wipes and um, liquid as well. So this is a little bit of a confusing product because you have to kind of see it to understand how it works. So being an audio podcast, I'm going to need you to give sort of a very detailed description of what exactly we're talking about here. Like, so on the table you've got a bowl of what looks like mints. At first I thought they were round white mints. It's compressed wipes. It's comp compressed dry wipes. A size of wipes. a coin, size of a coin. They dry wipes, yes. Uh, my concept of wipes is the opposite. Normally you have wipes that are moist to dry. Uh, my wipes are actually dry to moist, which I invented a dispenser that allows you to carry eight dry wipes and three ounces of, of liquid, preferably water, and, and when you need to use the wipes, at any time, there is the reason I make my wipes is because there shouldn't be a time frame when you should use your wipes or right. not. So, show me what the little device is that you carry. It can you visually describe what it looks like to someone who can't see it? The dispenser. Yeah, the dispenser. Oh, uh, the dispenser. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a dispenser. <laughs> it looks like a little, maybe like a, kind of like a film container with like two little Pez. It's like Pez. Remember yeah, Pez? like two Pez dispensers two put Pez together. Two Pez dispenser, yeah, because you can just mix it with a little bit of water. And one dispenser has the non-wet wipes and the other one has the water. Three ounces of liquid. I made it three ounces particularly so you can take it in the airport. Three oh, ounces to travel. I clever. Guess. Okay, yes. so then you have your dry mint of a wipe and you put it in the water compartment. It absorbs you, the water. You shake the water it needs to absorb the wipe in order for it to expand. Once it expands, you unfold it and you use it for your, for your needs. So who is this good for? Everybody. Mothers, I mean hiking, camping, outdooring, sports activities, when you're in the beach, restaurants, hotels. I uh, take it on the go. I, I mean, what do you use a wipe for? Anything. Leave it in your car, take it in the motorcycle, anything you need to clean. It's, it's a product on the go. And these are totally biodegradable? Totally biodegradable. No one, when you throw away my product, you're not affecting the environment because it's all natural. It's synthetic fiber. There is no chemicals, no disinfectants. What you put yeah. in the dispenser and you mix it with the water is up to you. 
Awesome. So you could put in like a cleaner if you wanted or... Put, it's a hand sanitizer, tea tree oil, disinfectant, any type of go-green solution. Wow. And just mix it with water and uh, take it on the go. Cool. So how do people get a hold of your product? Right now, for now, we could do my website. I'm trying to push to other companies, you know, uh, retail chains, but I just started off in the year. So, I mean, you know, hopefully we'll take it from there. So, can people get it off your website? Uh, yes, uh, my website's purchased, easywipe.com, E-Z-W-Y-P.com. There's actually a video presentation as well, so you get better understanding of the product as well. It's a video presentation. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Science in the City is a non-profit program of the New York Academy of Sciences. This means we need your continued support to keep bringing you this weekly podcast series, as well as the rest of the Science in the City program, like our events and our website. For more information on Academy membership and to support Science in the City today, log on to scienceandthecity.org slash donate. As always, we would love your feedback on any of the programs we run here at Science in the City. Send us an email at scienceandthecity at nyas.org or leave us a voicemail at 212-298-8654. See you next week.